Welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, your source of information for living the best years of your life, your way. For more than a decade, host Jim Brogan and his expert guests have come together each week to share important news and advice that can impact the lives and well-being of those who are retired and those nearing retirement. Learn about issues like health and fitness, financial planning, social security benefits, investment advice, and more. And now, here's the host of More Living, Jim Brogan. Good morning, East Tennessee, and welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. You're listening to News Talk 98.7 WOKI. And do you know someone who will drive an hour to a gas station for slightly cheaper gas? Or someone who will drive across state lines for a better deal on something they're going to buy? Sure, he saved a few dollars, but in traveling, he used gas, time, he put wear and tear on his car. And while saving on the small stuff is fine, it's no substitute for the big picture and big picture saving strategies. You know, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to cut off our nose to spot our face, that kind of thing. And when it comes to retirement, you especially need a big picture plan. So you might have different sources of retirement income. There are different rules for each of them. And it's easy to get hung up on one piece of the retirement puzzle. And the most common piece that I see people get hung up on is, of course, investing, the investment plan. But a financial plan is much more than just investment uh, management, investment management. Uh, Or Social Security, that's probably number two I hear. Uh, It's very important. Social Security election may be the most important election you'll vote on in retirement. But it's not the only thing. So we might spend all of our time and energy figuring out how to maximize these individual things without thinking about how they fit into a comprehensive financial plan and then making sure all the dots connect. It's like... Several pieces to the, you got seven or eight pieces to the puzzle, and they have to be able to fit together, or you could, you know, kind of hurt yourself. So, for example, we not we might not consider all of the tax implications of the way we invest our money or how we draw our income. Wouldn't you want to know the best time to take advantage of things like being intentional about capital gains in a zero percent tax bracket? You know, then there are Medicare surcharges. So controlling your Medicare premium. You know, what do you do if you retire and you're making less money, but your Medicare is penalized based on your income two years ago? You can change that. The law says you can change your Medicare premium. You know, required minimum distributions for IRAs. Managing that both both before your RMD age, 70 and a half, and once you're there. Changing estate planning needs. All of these things are very important. I could go on and on and on. So the benefit is you need to know all of these elements to take into consideration in creating the best overall retirement plan for you, not just the best investment plan or the best Social Security optimization. It all fits together. You know, on the Social Security optimization, most people that look at that, uh, most consumers and even a lot of the professionals I talk to at conferences, all they're looking at and all consumers look at, for the most part, is 
how do you draw the greatest Social Security benefit over the long haul? And, we, of course, we don't know when we're going to die, but what, what, what is a rational decision there? But it's about more than that. And the most critical part of that is how much can you afford can you afford to delay the benefit? So, you know, your own individual circumstances, your own need for income, how's that going to affect you later in life? What are spousal benefits? What are potential widow benefits? It's not always the right thing to just delay the benefit. There are so many other factors to consider. So it's not as cut and dry. So, you know, you got to have a comprehensive plan that takes into account not just investments in Social Security, but all of these other things. So today in the show, we're going to talk about why investing isn't the only critical part of a financial plan, especially in retirement, how to reduce capital gains tax and reduce your overall tax bill in the long haul. And I'm going to talk about some movie and, te- and TV characters and their run-in with the IRS. And it's kind of famous stuff from over the years. You'll probably recognize some of that. What, what should you be learning from that? Uh, but first, let's talk about what can you be doing now to prepare for tax season? I mean, it's November the 16th today. I believe that's right. Yeah. What should you be doing now to plan for taxes? Uh, most people, they don't really think about their taxes until you get into February and March and it's time to start preparing. You know, the work, the more work that you do throughout the year to organize your key documents, you know, like pay stubs, tax forms, maybe most critically expenses you plan to write off and, and maybe more critically, when are you going to incur those expenses and are you going to time those to maximize your ability to write off expenses, charitable contributions, and and the like. So now, number one, it's especially important to keep track of all the deductions you plan to itemize or that you're hoping to itemize. And with good planning, maybe you can be itemizing. Now, most individual tax brackets are lower under the new Tax Cuts and Jobs Act than they were in 2017. So one thing you do need to be checking is to make sure that you're withholding at work. See, the tax withholding tables, if you're working, they change every year. And there was a pretty big change to tax withholding tables going from 2017 to 2018. So you need to make sure that your withholding is an appropriate amount. You don't want to get to the end of the year and end up owing thousands of dollars. But you know what? You also don't want to get to the end of the year and end up getting a refund of thousands of dollars. I mean, that's an interest-free loan that you have provided to Uncle Sam. You don't get any interest on that. If you don't pay enough in, you have to pay interest. But you don't get any interest if you've paid too much in. So you don't want to be doing that. Um, So, you know, as you head into 2020 especially, you want to be thinking about what should you be withholding, not just the rest of this year, but maybe as... More importantly, in 2020, how should you be handling your withholdings at work? Now, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act raised the standard deduction to 12200 for individuals in 2019, and for married couple, it's 24400 And if you're, 60, if you're 65 this year or older, you get an extra 1300 So a married couple that's 65 or older gets an extra 
2600 on the deduction. So that puts you at 27000 All right? So as we look at, let's talk about deductions. It, it was estimated roughly 70% of taxpayers in 2017 did not itemize. So about 30% itemized. All right? In 2019, it's estimated that about 13% will itemize. So fewer and fewer people are itemizing their deductions. Now, the problem with that is that that means if you're, if you're taking the standard deduction, you're not getting the tax benefit on your property tax bill or a large purchase on your sales tax deduction, or your charitable contribution. You're not getting those benefits because you're not itemizing. Well, what you should be thinking about is how you time your property taxes and your charitable contributions and your large purchases. You know, that's up to you. You know, there, now there's a limit on state and local taxes of $10,000 a year. But let's say your property taxes. 3500 a year. Okay? Well, you know, you you can pay that property tax now. You can also put it off to January or February. You know, it's due by March 1 or it's considered late. So let's say you're not really itemizing because that stuff doesn't add up to much. But that's because you have a $3,500 property tax. Maybe you're doing charitable giving. You might, you know, and then you're not you're not buying a car or a boat every year. So let's say you time that kind of stuff and you say, you know, I'm not going to pay my property tax this fall. I'm going to wait until January or February. And then you pay it again in the fall. So now you have $7,000 instead of $3,500. And then let's say you're making charitable contributions and you load those more up. Instead of doing some last-minute charitable contributions this year, you load them up into January, February. Maybe you time it and next year's the year you buy a new car. And so you start aggregating this stuff. And all of a sudden, you're taking a, an, a, a, an itemized deduction for 2020. Or maybe you do that for 2019. But, you know, that's what tax planning is. It's looking at, I mean, it's it's the little things that you take advantage of the tax code and understand how all these numbers are connected to make sure you take advantage of that. So be smart about how you do things like, your, you know, how you're going to itemize deductions potentially. And can you be smart about doing it where every other year maybe you do itemize and you get extra power there? You know, if you're in a 22% tax bracket and you can take an extra $5,000 on an itemized deduction every other year, you know, instead of 24-4, you can take a $29,400 itemized deduction. That's $1,100 of tax savings right into your pocket. $1,100 just by knowing how to use uh, the, the rules to your advantage. And that's smart planning. Now, the other thing you've got to do before we get into 2020 is be looking at how you fund your 401k. And if you're working now for 2019, you know, you've got till April 15th to fund an IRA. Now, you have to look at your eligibility. Do you make too much money to take a tax deduction? What about Roth IRA? If you're maxing out your 401k, that if it's deductible, traditional 401k, that lowers your taxable income. You can then turn around and maybe be eligible for Roth on top of that. You can do uh, $6,000 to an IRA or Roth. If you're 50 or up, you can do uh, 7000 
So how you handle your retirement account contributions is critical. Now, if you're self-employed and you have no employees, you can do a solo 401k. You can put in $19,000. The first $19,000 you make, you can put in the solo 401k, come straight off your taxable tax, in, tax return as taxable income. Dollar for dollar deduction. And then 20% over that. If you're 50 or older, you can do 25000 Tremendous opportunity, much more powerful than SEP IRAs. If you're doing SEP IRAs and you don't have any employees, you're, you've got to look at how much can you afford to contribute. The solo 401k may be a great option for you, but to do it for 2019, while you have until your tax filing to fund the solo 401k, the solo 401k has to be set up by December the 31st of 2019. You don't have to put anything in it. You just have to set it up, and then you've got until your tax filing. If you file an extension till September or October of next year or August, you've got till then to fund it. But you have to have the account set up by December 31 of this year. So these are just a few ideas of how you should be planning now to save taxes in the future. It's a, it's a lot more important than just getting all your documents together and filing your income tax return in the spring. Hey, when we come back, we're going to discuss why the investment strategy is not the only part of your retirement plan and why it's so critical that you have all the other pieces connecting all of those dots so you can be successful and you understand it so you can make informed and prudent decisions that can impact the quality of your life. So don't go away as you listen to More Living with Jim Brogan, only on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. listening to more living with jim brogan during the week jim is a financial advisor an author and speaker with an mba from the university of tennessee who specializes in helping people in or near retirement plan for the next phase of their lives you can reach brogan financial during the week at 865-862-6800 or on the web at broganfinancial.com and now Here's Senior Market Advisor Magazine's 2011 National Advisor of the Year and host of More Living, Jim Brogan. Thanks for tuning in to More Living this morning on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm your host, Jim Brogan. And in that first segment, I talked about things to be doing late this year to save on your taxes when you get to tax season and preparing for that. One thing I didn't mention, I want to be sure that I mention before I go further into my next segment, is qualified charitable distributions. If you're 70 and a half or older this year, so you're in the year of 70 and a half or older, you may, and I know many of you are aware of this, but some are not. You're unique in that you can give money directly from an IRA to church or qualified charity, 501c3, and it counts towards your required minimum distribution, and it comes off of your taxable income on page one, plus you still get your either standard or itemized deductions. Unbelievable opportunity. I'm jealous. I'm 50. I can't do that. I mean, I I just hate that for me. And for those of you that aren't 70 and a half, it is a tremendous tax planning opportunity. If you're doing any kind of significant charitable giving, you're crazy if you don't start with your IRA. 
because it goes towards the RMD, that decreases the taxable portion of your RMD. And you can do up to $100,000 a year as a qualified charitable distribution. The check's got to be made out straight to the charity or the church. It can't be made out to you. All right? So take advantage of that. It's so important. Now, uh, if you go to my website at broganfinancial.com, click on Resources, and I have, an, uh, I have a, a guide to the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act there. And you can download that guide for free. Also, if you click on Blog at the top menu, click on Blog. The featured blog post at the very top in the header is taking ta- advantage of tax opportunities with QCDs. So if you're <coughs> 70 and a half or approaching it, please go to my website and, and look at that blog. Go to our resources page, download. You can also sign up for our e-newsletter where I just send out to you links to all of the uh, content I've posted uh, for that week. So, for example, right now you can listen to my interview earlier this week with Bob Yarbrough about tax planning. I've got an interesting blog, Five Reasons. It's good to hold on to some traditional IRA money and not have everything in Roth. So there's all kinds of goodies in there. Now, making good investments is very important, but we can't control the market And we don't want to be too short-term oriented. What I have found is when you are too focused on the short-term and the in and outs of every day and every week in the markets, what made the market do what it did today? As a rule, we tend to, it's easy for you to make an emotional mistake that's way too short-term oriented. Remember, when you invest your money, you should... Kind of segment your money. You don't have to set. You could segment it in different accounts. You don't have to. But the idea is you, you've got a piece of money that is money you're going to need in the next two, three, four years. That money should not be invested in the stock market. You're not worried about the short-term ramifications of the market. Monies you need in six or seven or eight years, you can take a conservative or moderate amount of risk. Because you're not going to need it for six or seven or eight years. And then money for the longer term, 15, 20 years, you can be a lot more aggressive. Understanding time horizon is so important. And in that way, you don't get too caught up in the short-term happenings of the market. You know, markets, as you're probably aware, this week, we now have hit an all-time high. All of our market indices, the Dow Jones, the S&P 500, and the NASDAQ, they are all at record highs. Dow's over 28,000 now. So there's been quite a bit of press. And there's been a lot of coverage, actually, of people that feel like, oh, my gosh, I went to cash. What do I do? I've been missing out on the party. But, you know, if you, if you did that, you've been, you've, maybe you've been missing out on the party for two or three years. So that's just an example. And that doesn't mean you should just jump into the market. You need a plan for how to deal with that. That's smart. That works, that in the past has worked, where you maybe do it over a period of time. You can take advantage of market volatility when you, when you tip back into the market. But you just don't want to be too focused on the short term. So retirement planning consists of a lot more than just investing. It's how are those dollars then going to benefit you and how do you save on costs like taxes and Medicare premiums and things like that. So, The investment strategy is important. It's not the only thing. Focusing on short-term market moves and trends and the news is just not, it it isn't nearly 
all there is to with financial planning. And if anything, it can be dangerous to do that. Mistakes could be only considering stocks and bonds and not alternative investments. You know, alternatives that the idea for diversification is you have a lot of stuff in your portfolio that if one thing zigs, another zags. You know, you don't want everything just going up and down together all the time. Well, alternatives like real estate and energy and commodities and non, you know, foreign bonds, you know, those things offer more diversification and balance in an investment plan. But you don't see a lot of coverage on those things. It's all what's happening in the U.S. market, what's happening in the foreign market, and what's happening with interest rates, and how does that affect your traditional U.S. bonds. There's so much more to it than that. So, and being paralyzed with two information could cause you a big problem. You never make a decision. So it's important to focus on your overall financial picture and not just investments. There are other things, things, estate planning, Roth conversion and tax planning, minimum distribution management. That starts when you're in your 60s, when you're retired. You don't wait till you're 70 and a half. Medicare premium management, Social Security election, tax planning. You know, the greatest expense you and I will ever have in our lifetimes is our income taxes. What is your plan to reduce your income tax? You know, the next 10 years, in my opinion, is going to be extremely choppy in the stock market. I don't think that we're going to have a robust return. We may look back 10 years from now and be happy with 5% per year in the stock market. Now, I could be wrong, but I think the writing's on the wall. And, I mean, stocks are expensive today under any measurement, and bonds are very expensive today. We've never had a market condition like that. We've, we've had the last few years where stocks are so expensive and bonds are so expensive. Now, stocks have continued to climb higher and higher. So I'm not saying they can't go higher, and I'm not saying that there won't be years where the stock market does great. And you do need to be invested in the stock market long term if you're a young retiree because you, you need to worry about what things are going to cost when you're 88. Because people live longer and longer lives. You need growth, so please don't mistake me. But you also have to understand the challenges the next 10 years of the pricing of investments. And so here's the point. If we have a mediocre return over the next 10 years, I hope we don't, but let's say we do. It's kind of up and down and up and down and isn't real robust. Well, if you can reduce your tax costs... Remember, it's not how much you make, it's how much you get to keep. If you can, you know, there's how much do you make, how much tax do you pay, then is that your net? If you can reduce the tax portion of that, so you're making a little bit less because the markets aren't as dynamic, but you're paying less tax, you can help bolster your return in the end. And it's so critically important. So, you know, you you got to think about everything. You don't want to be too focused on the minutia of what's happening day-to-day in the stock market. All right? Now, that is what we do. Like, we help. I help people, you know, manage all this. And a, a big part of this is having a plan that's based on science and research that connects all of the dots and that you have a basic understanding of the plan at least at a 30,000-foot view, because then we've already planned for the for the things that may happen in the future. You know, next time there's a bear market, I mean, it'll happen. We just don't know when, but next time it happens, 
it's not going to be a surprise what happens with your money because we've already planned for it. We've measured the risk in your portfolio. We're balancing the potential risks with the upside growth potential because it's all about balancing risk and reward in investing. We're, we're using time horizon. It's not going to surprise you. And, you know, I think you need to secure income in the early years of retirement where you're not depending on market investments. So then if there's a bear market next year or in 2021, I don't know if there will be, but if there is, you're not depending on that money for income. And then you're managing your Medicare premium and your income taxes, maybe capital gains taxes at 0%, which I'm going to talk about in the next segment. So very, very important. And that is what we do at Brogan Financial. Um, if you want more information, you know, I don't have a, I don't have a class coming up until late January at University of Tennessee downtown. And the classes are not up yet on the site. Uh, I mean, they're up on my site, but you can't register at the university. And then I'm at Pellissippi in March. Um, so that schedule, if you go to my website at broganfinancial.com, you'll see that schedule. Um, but you can't register yet. Uh, but I've got tons of information there. My goal through this show, through the classes, through my website, my blogs, my resources, is to provide you with a great deal of information so you can make informed and prudent decisions that will impact your life. Now, I think it's hard to manage this on your own. If you want help, we'd love to talk to you. If I give you some great tips and you can manage that on your own, I'm ha- that's great too. I just want you to be successful. But if you do want more information on us, you can go to broganfinancial.com. You can sign up for our e-newsletter, our, our weekly e-blast to follow the, our information that I put out. And then you can also, if you'd like, you can sign up and send us uh, through a form there uh, to sign up for a free consultation. Now, coming up next, I'm going to discuss capital gains taxes and why capital gains tax planning in retirement is the cat's meow, the golden elixir of tax planning in retirement. So don't go away as you listen to More Living with Jim Brogan, only on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. weekly radio show, television news appearances, and adult education classes taught at the University of Tennessee and Pellissippi State Community College. Jim taps into his extensive knowledge and experience to address issues important to living your best retirement. Join Jim every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. here on Newstalk 98.7 WOKI and visit him online at broganfinancial.com. And now, here's the host of More Living, Jim Brogan. It's a beautiful Saturday morning here at News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Thanks for tuning in. It's More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. That's what it's all about. We want to help you live fuller lives. This morning, in this segment, I'm going to talk about what you need to know about capital gains taxes. Capital gains are the 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 the, the, uh, the golden egg, the the magic elixir of tax planning, in my opinion. You know, think about this. Do you remember back in 2012 in the election, you know, Mitt Romney was running against Barack Obama. And if you remember, there was a big uproar about the fact that Mitt Romney and Warren Buffett paid a lower effective tax rate than most upper middle income Americans. Do you remember that? 
I do very clearly, and I know many, most of you do. Well, the reason for that, their effective tax rate was like around 17%. And most middle-income Americans had a higher, you know, effective tax rate on their, if you took their gross income and looked at what their tax bill was. That's not your marginal rate, okay? In our marginal system, you know, we've got at least $24,400 for a married couple that pays no tax, right, because of your deduction. And then the next, you know, roughly eighteen, nineteen thousand, you pay ten percent. Then the next, you know, fifty, almost sixty thousand, you pay twelve percent. So it kind of graduates like that. All right, but their effective rate was about seventeen percent. Now, why was that? Because they had Mitt Romney and Warren Buffett had their affair structured in such a way that most of their income was taxed as a long-term capital gain and not ordinary income. And long-term capital gains rates, overwhelmingly for most people, are the best tax rate for income. And and a long-term gain, remember, is if you hold an asset for at least a year and then you sell it at a gain. Uh, it's not the dividend that's paid. It's not you know anything like that that's spun off. It's It's the long-term gain from holding it and then selling it. Or if you have, after a year, if you have a mutual fund, the mutual fund will do capital gains distributions in December. What they have to do is, you know, they're constantly buying and selling stuff, stocks. And so at the end of the year, whatever the net gains are from all that buying and selling, they have to distribute to you as a capital gain distribution. Now, if they held the stock for less than a year, it's a short-term gain and is taxed as ordinary income. But those stocks that were held for more than a year is a long-term gain and is part of long-term capital gains. So the gain is not realized until an appreciated security is sold or if you have that distribution from a mutual fund. So the type of capital assets, as an example, stocks, bonds, appreciation of mutual funds, jewelry, coin collections. You know, if you have a gun collection... You know, some rare automatic, whatever it is. The, the appreciation of that is a long-term gain. Real estate, those are examples of capital assets. Now, here things that are not capital assets, business inventory is not a capital asset. That's ordinary income. Depreciable business property, there's something called a recovery of basis when you sell. It's a different rate. It's not long-term gains. It's not ordinary income. Property under copyright or a patent, those are not long-term gains. And inventions, selling the value of an invention, that's ordinary income. But it's a tremendous opportunity. So, you know, if you're in a 10 or 12% tax bracket, guess what your tax rate is on long-term capital gains? It's zero. It's, I mean, it's 0%. And then if your tax bracket is 22 or 24 or a small part at 33 for the ordinary income tax rates, the long-term gain rate is 15 then it goes to 18.8 if you get up over 250,000. But across the board, if you look at the, the amount of your income, long-term gains are better. So it's an extraordinary opportunity, especially in the early years of retirement. You know, when you first retire, and I've, I talk, I've talked about this a lot, so forgive me if you've heard this, but it's this important. You know, when you first retire, you have the ability to keep your taxable income very low. Many people do. I mean, you know, if you have a pension, that's taxable. If you draw social, now your social security strategy affects your tax planning, right? 
I mean, if you draw it now, that's more money to show up on your tax return versus waiting. You have more control. Okay, that's just that has nothing to do with how do you get the most money out of Social Security. That's tax planning. There's also Medicare premium management in there, too. Um, But, you know, you can decide where to pull your income from and whether or not when you pull that income out, it shows up on your tax return, whether you get a 1099. You know, if you go down to the bank and pull down five thousand dollars, you're not taxed on that. Likewise, you choose how to invest your money. And what the tax ramifications are on your investments that are not inside your retirement accounts. That's your decision how you invest your money. So many retirees, especially before that that 70 and a half age for required minimum distributions from your retirement accounts. I mean, I have many high net worth clients I work with that can keep their taxable income fifteen, twenty, thirty thousand dollars. And that means, so a married couple, if you're in a 10 or 12% tax bracket, that gets you all the way up to 70, almost 79,000. Then the standard deduction is 24,400 on top of that. But if you're over 65, it's 27,000. So we're up 103 to maybe $106,000. 103 to 105,000 of income. So if you've only got 40 or 30, you could have cap, let's say you had $40,000 of taxable income. You could sell off $60,000 of, of capital assets and realize long-term gains, and there's no no tax bill on that. It's unbelievable, the opportunity. Now, I covered a lot of details there. I apologize if that was a little confusing. But you can have, bottom line, you can have up to about a, a little over $100,000 of total income that's shown on your tax return. And the portion of that that's long-term gains, 0% income tax. Now, that's for a joint filer. I don't have time to go through all the other numbers. Single filers can do the same planning. The numbers are just lower. And then even once you get up above that and you're in a 15% long-term gain rate, I mean, you have to think, when I'm in my 70s and you have to take, or you are, and you have to take RMDs, what's your tax bracket going to be then? It may be good to realize some 15% capital gains. Okay, so the capital gains thing is a huge opportunity. Um, I I mean, it's a great way to plan. You know, you may have a capital loss from something. You know, what if you have a seventy or eighty thousand dollar capital loss carry forward? You know, the problem is capital losses. You cannot use those to offset ordinary income. the The largest net loss you can take on your tax return on capital gains and losses is three thousand dollars. That's the net loss. So if you lost $80,000 on the sale of a piece of property and you have an $80,000 loss, let's say you had $10,000 of long-term gains. So you can use $10,000 plus an extra three to take a net of minus three. So you can take a $13,000 loss of that eighty, but then you're carrying forward $67,000. So you should have a tax plan to utilize that loss carry forward. You know, it, you just have to be smart about this kind of stuff. And, and you know, I'll be honest, tax planning is radically different than tax preparation. Tax preparation, which you typically do with the CPA or an enrolled agent, those things are done in the spring. And everything that's happened in 2019 has already happened by March of 2020. There's nothing you can do. If you've gotten a 1099, you can't get that horse back in the barn. 
Or if you didn't maximize out your 401k, you can't go back and undo that. Now, you can do, you know, IRA contributions. I mentioned the solo 401k if you're self-employed. But there's just all that other stuff. Any 1099s you got, you can't, you can't undo that. So tax planning is much more powerful. It's looking forward and connecting all these dots. Very few people, I'll be honest with you, very few professionals in the circles that I talk to and what I hear clients telling me, very few professionals truly focus on fun, on tax planning. So earlier I talked about how it's not all just about investing and picking investments. It's about the comprehensive financial plan. So somebody, an advisor that does comprehensive financial planning should be co- covering the tax planning aspect. And there's those that do. But but we're kind of we're kind of unusual. Not many do, at least from what I've seen. All right. So you've got to make sure you're doing all these things. And if you're trying to do it on your own, um, make sure you're you're it's hard if you're not in it all the time. Um, but hopefully I can get giving you a lot of great information. Now, if you want a second opinion. I'm happy to provide a second opinion. You can go to my website, broganfinancial.com. There's a form there you can fill out for a consultation. You can also call us, 865-862-6800. That's 862-6800. Now, when we come back, we'll talk about tax problems of some of our favorite TV and movie characters. And what does that mean for you and me? What can we learn from that? Be kind of a fun segment. So stick around as you listen to More Living with Jim Brogan, only on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Your signal in the distance To whom it may concern I think I lost my Thank you for listening to More Living with Jim Brogan. If you miss any of today's show or want to listen to it again, visit BroganFinancial.com where you can access the podcast and other educational materials to help you in your journey through retirement. And now... Here's Senior Market Advisor Magazine's 2011 National Advisor of the Year and host of More Living, Jim Brogan. Thanks so much for joining us this hour here on More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. And thank you for helping make More Living the number one weekend show on News Talk 98.7 WOKI, number one listen to. And, uh, you know, my goal here is to bring you great information so that you can implement things to be more successful in your retirement now a lot of that is uh you know things like health and fitness and um you know even our freedoms and all the things that you might be interested in that's the type of thing next week we got a great show we're going to talk to you with uh, someone who's been in the oak ridge national lab community his entire career and we're going to talk about the lab we're going to talk about all the things going up there with the with the plants uh, and how it's affected the community of Knoxville. What do we need to know about? going to be fascinating uh, to have him on. So, you know, our tax system is so convoluted that TV and movie script writers have used the IRS for tax fodder or for fodder, for script fodder, excuse me. These characters ran into trouble with the IRS. Do you remember any of these characters? Let's take a trip down memory lane here. Ralph Cramden. 
in the Honeymooners. Man, what a great show. Uh, you know, there weren't a, a whole lot of those shows made, but man, it is one of the funniest shows. Jackie Gleason is so hilarious, but Ralph, his character, panics when he received a letter from the IRS asking him to report to their office. Do you remember this? And he thinks he's in trouble for tax evasion. But it turns out he just forgot to sign his income tax return. That was all it was. And uh, he got so bent out of shape. Don't, you know, when we get that letter, uh, you know, an IRS letter, you know, in the mail and it says IRS on it, your heart kind of jumps, right? It could be just you just need information. So it's just kind of funny. Archie Bunker, Carol O'Connor, in All in the Family. Archie fails to report the extra income he made cab driving. Because, you know, if you make cash from anything you do, it's reportable to the IRS. So any cash-intensive business, that income's supposed to be reported to IRS, and Archie got audited by the IRS. Jerry Seinfeld, remember this? Jerry was being audited because years prior, Kramer, one of the great characters in TV lore, Kramer had made him donate to a relief fund for victims of a, of an eru- a volcanic eruption that took place in 1883. So the, refund fund, the, the, re- the relief fund was fake. So it caused him problems with the IRS. Al Bundy, Ed O'Neill, married with children. Al is audited because his wife, Peg, did some creative accounting while filing their taxes. And he, remember, he suggested that she sell her hair to raise money to help pay the extra tax bill. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, my gosh. These are some funny shows. Uh, do you remember the movie Shawshank Redemption? It's one of the most classic movies of all time. What a great, great movie, the Shawshank Redemption. And Andy was a banker familiar with the tax code, and he was imprisoned at Shawshank. And he he heard a guard talk about receiving an inheritance and what he had to do with taxes. And Andy gave him some advice about gifting the money. And uh, ironically, the advice he gave him is not real advice. That doesn't work. You can't just gift the money to your wife and avoid the tax. Uh, It's kind of funny that they did that that way. And then, uh, but the guards... You know, the guard was real happy, so he gave the inmate, uh, Andy and his inmates the afternoon off from from work and, and, and gave them some beer. Uh, but that was bad advice. And uh, just to cover that, when you inherit money, typically there's not income tax. The only thing you have to pay income tax on when you inherit money is any income in something that has been built up where the income tax has never been paid. Or I'm talking about ordinary income tax. So, like, if you have money in an IRA or 401k, that tax build up, you know, you've never paid income tax on most, if not all, of that money. Well, when it goes to the kids, they got to pay ordinary income tax on every withdrawal on their tax return on top of the income they make. But when they inherit capital assets, a stock, I was talking about long-term gains, long-term capital gains. When you die with a capital asset that has a long-term gain, the, the tax on that gain goes away. So if I paid $50,000 for a stock and it's worth 100000 and I die, then the 100000 is tax-free to my, you know, actually my wife if it's in my name only. But if it, let's say it goes to our kids, it's tax-free. Now, if it grows from 100 to 105, that 5000 is taxed. But the 100 itself is tax-free at that point. 
So there's great opportunities there. So what we need to learn from all this is, again, the importance of tax planning and looking ahead. And you know what? The, the rules are complicated. I like to call the tax code the Full Employment Act for CPAs and attorneys because it almost takes a Ph.D. to really understand the tax code. So, you know, you just... And then as tax laws evolve, I mean, there were a lot of hidden things in that Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that people aren't, weren't really aware of and got surprised in 20, when they filed their 2018 tax return. So as laws evolve, it's very important to have a plan to take advantage of the new laws and think about what tax am I paying today versus how much tax might I pay tomorrow. If I can pay a 12% income tax rate on a Roth conversion in the early years of retirement, rather than paying a 25% income tax rate when I'm in my 70s after 2025. So I pay 12% now instead of 25% later. It's almost as if tax rates are on sale. That's good tax planning. Thank you. I I hate I'm out of time. Thank you so much for tuning in to me this week as we've talked about all the other critical elements of financial planning other than just investment management and investment planning because greater wealth provides for more living so you can live the best years of your life your way. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Chris, running the board. You've been listening to More Living with Jim Brogan only on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.